The 451 Podcast is a supporter show dedicated to Detroit and our soccer club, Detroit City FC. Join us while we smack the taste out your mouth. It was never about just sports. It was never just about soccer. We say it over and over again. The roots of this club started as a community organizing effort to connect neighbors in Detroit, to uplift Detroit, not to be a savior, not to be a savior, but to come around our brothers and sisters who have been doing it for years. And they can do some stick to sports. What's happening, y'all? It's your boy Red coming out of Northwest Detroit, ready to blaze some trails and throw some bows for the boys in rouge and the gals in gold. Welcome to episode 10 of season 3 of the 451 Podcast. It's the resurrection, baby. Yo, big ups to Bad Assets for bringing us those badass tracks to keep our ass on track. And big ups to Abbey Productions for giving us those smooth sounds on the back end of the episode. Uh, we got a, a full plate on deck today. You know, I look forward to continuing... Um, a uh, a trend. I, I don't know if it's a trend. You know what I mean. But uh, a a theme that we picked up when uh, we met with uh, Ken Butcher um, in episode nine uh, related to the youth. Um, you know, me and Ken got an opportunity to sit down and talk at length about a variety of things. And you know, I've got a few reflections that you know I want to uh, talk to you about or share with you related to that interview in. Uh, before or after we uh, talk about that a little bit, you know, got a, a few small little club updates, and we have a um, 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 a the um, the appearance of a new member of our cast here at 451, Charlie the Caterpillar from Chattanooga, who is going to drop in periodically and share us some stories um, coming out of Chattanooga. So we look forward to bringing you um, Charlie. Charlie's, uh, you know, he's a good guy. You know what I mean. So uh, you'll get an opportunity to hear him. Um, you know what I mean. Set the tone for what he's going to bring us uh, from time to time in episodes. So that'll be fun. And then um, I'm going to get an opportunity today to bring you an up and smoke interview where I got an opportunity to, uh, to 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 chat with John Evans, the club director for DCFC Youth Downriver affiliate. Um, John's a great guy. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, John used to play um, with uh, play on the pitch for the the men's side here um, for La Rouge. You know, back in the day, actually, um, I think that the last time he played, uh, I think he mentioned that he played at the um, the exhibition match that we had in Chattanooga prior to last year um, in the 2019 season. So they brought him on board just to play for that. You know, if you remember, um, we had a special exhibition match over there at Finley Stadium just to... Um, Eh, kind of pop in and say hello to the Chattanooga Red Wolves who was trying to um, fool around uh, there in Chattanooga and, uh, you know, do some backhanded stuff for Chattanooga FC. So we decided that we would uh, head over there or head down there to Chattanooga and have an exhibition match on their home opener. And uh, <laughs> let's see uh, what happens when we uh, when we face off um, head-to-head in the same city on the same night. And, uh, you know, we had a good showing there in Chattanooga. Um, and we did well, but anyway, that's not even what I was talking about. You know, the the, the fact was that we had some of uh, the fellows who have been donning the uh, the rouge and gold over the years that came in and played in that match, and John Evans was one of those. And John um, has a pretty storied history um, as a coach, as a player. Um, I mean, all you got to do is go to the DCFC Youth Down River and look at the staff and look look at his bio, man. Uh, John is is phenomenal, man, and he's he is just uh, paving the way, um, coaching in um, in Michigan high school and club soccer. So you know he's a blessing to have um, continual uh, continually have as a part of. Um, Detroit City, you know, um, in just a different way. So that was great, you know. But prior to that, you know, I got, like I said, I got a chance to go up and smoke with uh, Ken Butcher. For those of you who don't know Ken, um, some of you who, well, all, most of you who've been around here for a while supporting this club has probably crossed paths with Ken. Ken's one of the one of the Butcher brothers, and he's one of the uh, the founders for the Northern Guard supporters. You know, Ken's a good friend of mine. You know what I mean? I got a chance to just get to know Ken over the last five years, you know, and go, and, and really have um, grown to really appreciate um, Ken and his brother Gene. 
and some of the foundations that they laid with the Northern Guard supporters. You know, I'll be honest with you, you know what I mean? Early on when I was supporting this club, um, you know what I mean? I wasn't sure, you know, how uh, invested I was going to be, you know. And like I said um, a few times in previous episodes, you know, just in reflection with the uh, the owners, you know, when you think about Sean, Dave, Todd, Alex in particular. Um, and then, of course, there's Mike, you know what I mean? But the, the first four being there from, from the beginning, you know, I grow to appreciate them and some of the foundations that they laid um, and the values and the culture that they kind of paved forward with our club. Well, I've also appreciated the Butcher Brothers and what they've done, you know, with the supporter base. And if it weren't for um, people like them and, and, and uh, people like the, the owners of the club, you know what I mean? Uh, who knows how long I would have been around. I just appreciated uh, some of the foundational work that they were doing, you know what I mean? That doesn't mean, like, as supporters that we're always going to agree on everything that we do, and we're not supposed to be, right? We're all individuals. We have our own um, our own perspectives on a variety of things. But, you know, at the at, at the root of uh, these relationships is, um, you know, we support Rouge and Gold. And, 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 it's, and, and beyond that, what Rouge and Gold stands for, right? What La Rouge, what Detroit City FC stands for, and its relationship and commitment and obligation to the community. And the Butcher Brothers definitely um, have done well in establishing that as a foundational thing with the Northern Guard. So I got a chance to, to, to talk with Ken at length. Uh, normally, you know, our, our um, uh, interviews might go 30, 40 minutes, you know, but as you see from time to time, you know, as it was with Sean Spence, uh, same thing with, with Ken, um, you know, we could sit there and talk forever, you know, and I'm, and I, and I don't want to cheapen the interview and cut you, uh, cut, cut some of the good content, you know, cause there's a lot of things that, um, that we were able to discuss that is, uh, I think beneficial for, um, for me to hear, for, for Ken to hear, for Sean to hear, and for those who are listening to that conversation, you know what I mean? It's something that continues to build the culture around this club, so I appreciate it, and, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't have to be, um, you know, so rigid with the time uh, of the episodes. Just know that from time to time, you might have a 45-minute episode, and there might be times where you have, you know, dang near a, an hour-and-a-half episode, So, um, um, but I appreciated it, you know, and a few things that I just wanted to reflect on uh, in my discussion with with Ken, uh, first of all, was um, you know at one point in time in the interview, you know Ken was talking about how um, you know when he will be at a match and when the whistle blows, then he knows that he has a job to do, and that wasn't the point that Ken was making. But that was something that he said no, not so nonchalantly. And I pointed it out in the interview if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. Definitely stop this right now and go back and listen to that interview. Unless you haven't listened to any um, any episodes prior to that, go back and listen to those um, first and then come to this. But, uh, you know, the, the thing about Ken saying that so nonchalantly is that that is something uh, in terms of the supporter culture with this club is... Um, is so ingrained that it comes off as no, so nonchalant. What am I talking about? The fact that um, Ken, just as myself, just as a variety of other people, you know what I mean, That's, you know, a couple thousands of people, you know, associated with this club, if not if not hundreds, um, that you know we spend the money to come to matches, whether you you know buy a season ticket or not. You you know you you come to the match, and then you might. Um, purchase merchandise whether that's from one of the supporter groups or you know and and the the, the club right you might um buy a couple beers or a drink or whatever a couple of sodas whatever you might um, grab a bite to eat um and um you know so you're paying a significant amount of money just to come to the match and obviously we're going to come to the match we're going to let loose and enjoy ourselves in fellowship um, connecting with uh, brothers and sisters um, who come to the match. There's a community-oriented component of that, right? And that's something that we hold very dearly to us. But as supporters, um, one of the things that um, is very ingrained is that we even come to the match, not only just to watch the match, but actually to put in work. This came up also in an interview um, I had an opportunity to uh, talk with uh, the fellows over there at uh, the pro- uh, protagonist 
um, podcast, uh, the what the Knights Who Say Nisa, I think is the podcast. They're going to have an episode here soon. They invited me on, and I was talking to them about this a little bit. You know, that the supporter base for Detroit City FC, you know, when we come to match, we do come to enjoy ourselves, but we also come to work, you know, and sometimes even when we're enjoying ourselves, it's still work, not in the bad sense, right? Um, in the sense that what we do in uh, the terrace, right, in the stands, you know, when we're um, singing, we're shouting, we're chanting, right, folks are on the drums, folks are popping smoke, you know, folks are uh, heckling the opposition, some of y'all are heckling the, the referees, doing a variety of things. It's all part of a big machine, right, a big culture, right, that is there to uplift the boys on the pitch, right, and and soon to be the gals on the pitch, right. Um, so when we come to a match, we do come to enjoy ourselves, but we also are coming there to work. You know, what I mean, we're trying to work just as hard as the boys and gals are on the pitch, and that's that's something to think about. You know, um, one of the things that I was saying uh, with uh, the fellas at protagonist was that you know um, he asked me about. Uh, what I felt about the, the the spring season being canceled. And, you know, and I said, you know, obviously a lot of us were bummed by it, you know what I mean, because there was a lot of momentum leading up to the season. Uh, but I think the overwhelming majority of us would agree that um, as a community club, we wouldn't want to make decisions and we wouldn't want our front office to make decisions that would be to the detriment of the community. Um, to, to date, you know, over 5,000 people just in the state of Michigan have passed away due, due to COVID-19. A significant amount of those people that have passed away have been in Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb counties, and even more so, you know, a significant amount of people have been literally in the city of Detroit, right? Um, and uh, so for us, it's it's a smart decision to, to forego the spring season and, you know what I mean, and, and, and not do anything that would put anybody at risk. I don't think legally we couldn't do it anyway, you know, on time um, because of the governor's orders, but, um, but it was smart, you know. And one of the things that I was talking about in relation to that was the momentum that was building up to the match it wasn't just about, you know what I mean, the fellas who had been training. Of course, it is about them, right? And, um in, in the sense that uh, I don't want to lessen the importance of that, the hard work that they put in under the leadership of Trevor James, you know, it's extremely important, you know what I mean, to just honor the work that they were doing leading up to that um, first match, you know, got to play LA Force, but for the for the season, but the supporters had been revving up uh, uh, in a lot of ways too, right? We've been doing a lot of work in the off season, and not just the you know the TFO crew, you know what I mean? Folks making banners, folks coming up with new chants, you know what I mean? Just in general, the folks who were um, putting in work to build community, you know. Shout out to Megan, who's been um, doing a, a great job pulling together. Um, supporters on, a, I don't know, two or three times a week, you know what I mean, on Zoom, just to keep people connected and continue to build community. For some people, it might just be, you know, a, a social thing, and it's, it's something that they enjoy doing, but it's extremely important work that, that she's doing, you know what I mean, just to, that, that little bit to kind of uh, set up something for people to come together and connect, you know what I mean, because we thrive on that fellowship. And that fellowship isn't just about our own needs and our own interests, right? It's about continuing to build this club. And that's what we do even on match day, you know. And so I think that was an important um, point um, to just discuss in relation to the interview with Ken. And, you know, as as we, you know, prepare eventually to get an opportunity to get back out there and continue to support the boys and uh, eventually support the girls, you know what I mean? Um, you know, think about that. You know, when you go to a match, what are some little things that you can do con that to continue to build the capacity of this club? Don't just be a spectator. You know, we've had we've had battles um, amongst supporters about this in the past. You know what I mean? I reject any notion, you know what I mean, that we're just, we're just customers, you know what I mean, that we're customers and so that we, it's okay for us to have certain expectations. Okay, to a ex certain extent, you're right, right? As, as customers, we're paying into this. There's certain um, relationship or a certain voice that we should have and, and ownership and those who in the front office, you know, should um, value our voices as they do. They've shown that uh, over and over again since 2012 that they do, you know. Um, but, you know, we have a different kind of relationship. We don't need to hoot and holler at them. Take people to the side and express some concerns that you have, you know what I mean? This is a community that we're building. It is a small business, right? It is a small business and it has um, owners who have a financial stake in it. Okay, of course. Yeah, I'm not trying to say that that doesn't exist, but this is beyond that as well, right? And so when we come to a match, you don't have to feel guilty if you just come to a match maybe with your kids and, you know what I mean, you go and sit down and, 
you know, have a couple slices of pizza and watch a match. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to shame anybody who might support differently. But for those of you who, you know, might have the energy and the time um, and some of the the resources and the skills, you know what I mean, that you might be able to contribute to build the capacity of this community that we're building here, um, then, you know, I would encourage you to think about ways in which you can use that to, to further this. So, there, you know, there's that. Another thing that uh, me and Ken got an opportunity to talk about that I wanted to point out was, um, you know, Ken's work and his knowledge and his family's sacrifice, um, I really appreciate uh, related to uh, the foster care system, you know, um, Ken was able to spit a lot of knowledge. Um, so, you know, big ups to, you know, him and his beautiful wife, you know what I mean, for the sacrifice that, that they make, you know what I mean, to support these young boys, these young girls, you know what I mean, who um, otherwise might have very limited options. And, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about what that um, family is doing is that they feel strongly about an issue and they're not just tweeting about it they're not just posting stuff on facebook you know what i mean they're not just a bunch of lip service and i'm not saying that to direct it at anybody in particular i'm just you know because i've 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 got wrapped up into that at times myself you know um one of the things that i appreciate about is that there's a sacrificial activism you know what i mean with their family you know they're literally um sacrificing their time their resources you know what I mean? Um, th their love, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, it, 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 I know they're built for it. And for them, um, in some ways, probably it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. And others, it might feel like a sacrifice. But, you know, I want um, to encourage us all, myself included, to continue to draw off of that. You know, the issues that we feel really strongly about. You know, the supporter base and um, uh, and this club as a whole has a, um, a deep uh, cultural attachment and obligation you know, to the city of Detroit and, you know, Hamtramck and the broader metropolitan region, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, uh, there's a variety of issues that we've decided that we um, we feel strongly about, you know, and some you might not see um, anybody speaking out on. I would encourage us as part of the supporter base to use this club and um, to leverage uh, the community that we have to not only... Uh, Amplify the voices of people and organizations who are doing good work um, that you feel strongly about in the city of Detroit and otherwise. Um, but um, think about ways in which you can actually approach that in a more sacrificial way. You know, it's really easy in this day and age with our reliance on social media and, you know, uh, quicker forms of communication that we can begin to develop a, uh, a more shallow approach to activism and community support, you know. And I just think that the story of the Butcher family and what they're doing is a great example of sacrificial activism or sacrificial um, community support, you know, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing, you know, e even if it's, uh, you know, you got love for, you know, um, I don't know, you're, you're, uh, you feel strongly against racism, you know, there's a variety of organizations in the city of Detroit that are actively countering systemic racism that disproportionately impact the black community, you know, feel free to reach out to those organizations and find out ways that you can get involved, you know what I mean, step into your discomfort if you have that discomfort, you know what I mean, know that when you step in that you might um, experience a, a lot of love, you know what I mean, that might throw you off because it might be different than what you expected, you also might uh, experience some suspicion, you know what I mean, just remember what it is that you're primarily there for, what you feel strongly about, and just know that uh, your intentions, if you keep your head down and do the work for the right reasons, you know, that, that that will shine through and people will appreciate you for that. You know, we got a lot of work to do here in the city of Detroit in the metropolitan region. There's a lot of bridges that need to be built and rebuilt, um, and some of bridges um, that could, you know, quite honestly just be destroyed because they don't have firm foundations you know what I mean so for those of you who are listening to this podcast you know I want you to think about things that you feel very strongly about you know what I mean in terms of um, social activism or social equity you know what I mean uh, things that you know bother you you know what I mean maybe you're uh, you know maybe you're a boy a man you know what I mean and you feel strongly about the oppression and the disrespect that you see young girls and women, you know, experiencing, you know what I mean? So we've got plenty of women and girls, you know, within the base of this community, you know what I mean, that have 
plenty of perspective on what you might be able to do, you know, continue to connect with intentionality within the community to think about how you can be a better ally and learn from the women in the supporter base. You know, that's just one idea that I'm throwing out there, you know, so, um, you know, I just, I just, I just really want to encourage us to think about what it means to, um, to sacrifice for the things that we uh, feel very strongly about and not, get trapped down a road of um, superficial activism. So, you know, that's all I wanted to say. Um, I just, I just really appreciated that time. And again, um, you know, even if you listen to the, to the episode, go back and listen again. You know, I, I myself, I, I always go back and listen to the episodes anyway, because, you know, I'm always analyzing it for quality and, you know, yeah analyzing what could I have done better as an interviewer, things like that, you know, but I, I learned so much, you know, from these interviews when I go back and listen to them myself. So um, feel free to go back again. But anyway, um, that's all I have in terms of uh, reflection for that. What I want to do now is uh, I want to welcome a, a new person, um, a new um, character, if you will, to the 451 podcast, Charlie the Caterpillar from Chattanooga. Um, Charlie, go ahead and take it away. <laughs> It's story time with Charlie the Caterpillar from Chattanooga. Detroit and they brought a monster they called him Stein monster Stein monster came all the way to Chattanooga and he destroyed everybody he ate the whole town destroyed our family and friends everybody was sad we not only lost the match we lost our dignity but it's okay kids because Stein monster left and when Stein monster left we rebuild now we rebuilt and went down to Detroit and got to start again, but we rebuilt it again. So the moral of the story is monsters are destructive. Stein monsters are even more destructive, but you can always rebuild. Persistence. Don't give up, even if a monster eats your whole fan base. That's the story for today. My name's Charlie the Caterpillar from Chattanooga. I wish you the best. Bye. <laughs> TIFO crew is looking for help with this new project, which we're calling Quarantifo. Um, we're asking supporters to contribute hand-painted panels of any size. They can be big, small, what have you, uh, which we're then going to quilt together for a large display once matches resume at Keyworth. Uh, so if you miss having a sore back or paint cover clothes and the refreshing taste of a cold rage beer, then contact me at TIFO at noonelikes.us. That's T-I-F-O at noonelikes.us for more information. You can come up with your own idea to paint, or you can pick from a group of pre-designed, pre-traced panels that we have, and we will deliver those to you. Uh, so put down Animal Crossing for a little bit and help us out. Reach out at tifo at noonelikes.us. Thanks. <laughs>
All right, y'all. Uh, in uh, in club news, a big uh, um, event, uh, if you will, you know that the uh, the front office is launching is the uh, La, La Run for La Rouge. Detroit City FC kicks off La Run for La Rouge, going the social distance, presented by your Metro Detroit Chevy dealers. Um, Detroit City FC announced a virtual 5K and fundraiser to benefit Detroit City FC and Detroit Pell Youth Select Program and coincide with club's restart of practice for 2020 campaign. Uh, Detroit City FC is set to kick off its inaugural virtual 5K and fundraiser, La Run for La Rouge, Going the Social Distance, presented by your Metro Detroit Chevy dealers from June 21st to 27th. All proceeds for the event uh, will benefit Detroit City FC and Detroit Epel Youth Select Soccer Program with an eye toward the season's restarting in the near future. Our men's and women's teams are starting to implement return to training protocols. The club is inviting supporters to join the pros and prepare for the new season together to raise money for the continued growth of soccer in our city. Proceeds from the sale of alcohol at Keyword Stadium are allocated to our Detroit City FC Detroit Pell Youth Select Soccer Program. The first in a generation travel program enters its third season, providing low to no cost playing opportunities for youth players from the city of Detroit. To overcome this deficit and stay committed to providing accessible soccer development and training to the youth in the city, the idea for a community-based event involving every level of our club was born. If training with the pros and your fellow LaRouge supporters isn't enough, we've implemented an individual fundraising leaderboard. Whichever individual raises the most money for our youth select team will receive an on-field strategic staffing solution suite to an upcoming home match. The registration for the event is $20 and it closes on June 27th at 12 p.m. Participants can record their times from June 21st to June 27th as you begin your training and on your race day, participants are encouraged to post on social media and tag Detroit City FC on Twitter and Instagram with the hashtag Couch to Keyworth. That's C O U C H T O K E Y W E R T H. To register as a race participant and or individual fundraiser or to learn more information, click the link here. Obviously, you can't click it through the podcast, but I'd uh, um, encourage you to go to detcityfc.com and click on the, the the news button and you'll see the advertisement it includes a link there um you know get out there and uh, support the youth this is a great initiative you know for those of us who've been involved in any kind of travel soccer during our youth um we know you know what i mean that this can be expensive and uh it's a significant reason why a lot of talent in communities of concentrated poverty get passed over because folks just simply don't have the money to play travel soccer like that so this is one of the commitments that that uh, La Rouge has made to the city of Detroit and growing the sport within the city of Detroit. Um, the uh, the Detroit Pell Youth Select Soccer Program, you know, is one of the tentacles of the the youth affiliates. Of course, we have the DCFC um, Genesee, we have the DCFC um, West. Um, which um, that is Genesee was Genesee Celtic and West was Canton Celtic. And then there's uh, the DCFC Youth Down River, which is the Taylor's Soccer Club, which still exists, but they've added on to it the, the Detroit City FC aff- affiliate, which is the competitive component of, of their program. And we're actually going to have John Evans on today to talk a little bit more about that. So um, get out there and, and, and support our youth. Obviously, um, a, a significant amount of the resources that we're able to provide uh, for that initiative come out of the alcohol sales at Keyword Stadium, which they're not getting any of right now, right? Because we're not playing matches. So, um, you know, this is, a, this is a good initiative. I'm going to try to maybe jump in there myself. Um, got a month until it, until it kicks off. So we'll see. <laughs> Might see Red uh, get off the couch to Keyworth. All right. That's all we have for Club News. All right, y'all, welcome to this segment of Up in Smoke, where we head into the smoky terrace of Keyworth Stadium to learn a little bit more about the people who shed the blood, sweat, and tears to make this thing tick year-round. Today, I have a special guest with me, the club director for DCFC Youth Downriver and um, La Rouge alumni, <laughs> John Evans. How are you doing today, John? Not too bad. How are you, Red? Good, good, man. Thank you for uh, joining us on the 451 Podcast uh, I appreciate you know you just taking the time out to share with us a little bit about uh, what we're doing there downriver. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be on and, uh, you know, excited to be able to share with everybody uh, kind of what's going on downriver and how we got to where we are today. No doubt, no doubt. And you're doing uh, everything going all right with the whole COVID-19 situation, staying safe and sheltered? Yeah, uh, personally, uh, things are going well. And then from a club perspective, we're doing the best to st stay connected with our teams, players, families, and uh, making sure we're there as uh, a resource for our kids if needed. And then um, just trying to keep them active, you know, giving them homework and following through to make sure that they're doing things to stay as sharp as possible so that when we can get back out on the field that they're uh, ready to go. No doubt. No doubt. Well, John, for our audience, uh, why don't we just start off with uh, you sharing uh, who are you, where you're from, and what was your journey to La Rouge? Yeah, so John Evans uh, grew up originally from Brownstown Township, Michigan, uh, currently reside in Ferndale, um, went to Woodhaven High School, and then Oakland University, played soccer there for four years. Uh, my journey to La Rouge is pretty much through my brother and uh, co-owner David Dwayhe, who both played soccer at Kalamazoo College uh, at different times, but uh, it was my senior year of high school. I was going to be a freshman at Oakland University, and they were playing on the same men's team, the Michigan Stars, and, uh, you know, they needed another player, and I jumped on after I graduated, and then, um, you know, so that was like now 13 years ago. I've known Dave, and <laughs> In 2000, like right at the end of 2011, he kind of said how in 2012 they were going to start this team in Detroit. Didn't really know much about it. And then next thing you know, I showed up at a tryout at Open Yard and he wanted me to come out and I played for like the next four years. So it was pretty much never ending from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how did you uh, end up uh, in your current role now as a club director of the Detroit City FC Youth Downriver Club? So we were originally a Taylor Soccer Club, which still exists in a community-based recreational format uh, where we have an entry-level system and a rec system. Um, I started as a staff coach there back in 2013 um, and then just kind of worked my way up, kind of worked hard, had a vision for what I wanted the club to look like and um, kind of got some people to agree. And um, as this progressed, uh, Todd, Sean, Alex, uh, Dave, and everybody else kind of just reached out to me as far as like, hey, the next thing for us is trying to break into youth soccer, which, you know, can be a lot and can be really overwhelming. And we probably talked about it for about two years before we really made anything official. And then, uh, you know, now we're here today where we have four different locations amongst Metro Detroit and uh, potentially some other ones coming that way. But, um, you know, overall, uh, I pretty much got involved with youth soccer in the Downriver area because that's where I grew up and I kind of just wanted to give back to the community um, in a way that I could try to make the sport better in the area. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, uh, you know, um, I was reading up a little on your bio, man, uh, on your, uh, your coaching history. And obviously as a player, you know, you've been successful. You know, I saw, you know, as a two-year All-State player from Woodhaven, right? Yep. And, uh, um, man, you've been having some success uh, as a coach, uh, it seems, right? A state championship last year, a runner-up the year before that, a couple regional championships or finals a couple years before that. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, four years. Uh, first two years at Grozeal, uh, we lost in the regional final once in penalties and once 1-0. And then we were fortunate uh, last year to um, – get to the final and then kind of lost in a heartbreaker in overtime. And then, uh, you know, we returned a decent amount of players, but we were fortunate enough to put everything together and got back to the final this last season here. And uh, I ended up coming out on top and kind of things kind of, you know, maybe the bounces went our way that, that year, but the year before, you know, maybe we were a little bit of a stronger team, but, you know, um, I started coaching at Grozeal and I've kind of been fortunate with the players that we've had and, their commitment and um you know it's it's really been able to be be uh it's been satisfactory as far as a sense of being able to you know get over that peak and be able to get them back to winning a state championship so it's been good yeah. it's been fun yeah yeah i bet i bet so john for the average supporter of detroit city fc right um they might just know about this now professional soccer club that plays at keyword stadium um what is the relationship between uh, DCFC Youth Downriver with, uh, 
I, I said the larger club or the, the broader club as it relates to Detroit City FC. How did and, and how did that come to be? I know you mentioned uh, just, a little bit. Yeah, just through conversation, you know, um, the goal is to build a, you know, quote unquote European like model um, club for our kids to grow up in and then you know the model that we've been kind of going by is that it's a club that you'll never grow out of so uh you know for most youth soccer players they'll step off the field at u18 or u19 and then continue on in the college but you know the only way in really being able to give back to that club in the future is to coach or volunteer where you know now our kids are going to step off that field and if it's that they play on a you know under 23 team that plays in the NPSL or they make it to a pro team or they become a supporter work for the club now there's like all these different avenues that they can you know continue supporting the club and being a part of it and it's something that's never going to end and it's it's bigger and it's a you know it's got that family atmosphere that um, we're just one big group together and um, together that we can grow stronger yeah 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 well and obviously you know um you know city has uh, been able to kind of leverage you know some of the support that uh, as a club we've been able to build but um obviously you know taylor soccer club you know what i mean was on on a path it was you know seemed like a a pretty good connection there because you were already building something that uh um you know it wasn't like we were coming in uh to uh just uplift some rinky dink club it was already an established club it seemed to be a mutual benefit there huh yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I said, uh, you know, Taylor soccer club still exists. And um, what we want to do is pretty much and we're what we're beginning to do is build community based rec programs, um, hopefully with uh, partnerships through the recreational programs themselves and the municipalities and the school districts uh, in each downriver community. And then, you know, taking those programs where uh, players start and then hopefully they can develop into Detroit City FC youth downriver players and then um, progress hopefully to playing at the next level and then possibly even playing professionally for Detroit City FC. Yeah so John what um, I know I didn't um, mention this question on the on the, uh, the front end but I, I was just curious um, what uh, what got you into um, you know getting involved in youth soccer why is that why was that important to you? You know, uh, when I was growing up in the Downriver area, it, you know, Downriver was uh, pretty much like frowned upon and like, you know, there was no good soccer. There wasn't very good soccer down there. There weren't very good players down there. And it was just like I was that kid from the Downriver area that scored a bunch of goals in high school because he didn't play against anybody good. And, you know, like like last this past season, being able to win the state championship. And then we actually had Melvindale high school in the Donner area and make it to the division two state championship. Uh, you know, it's, it was kind of my goal to be able to improve the level of play and, you know, make the sport better in the Donner area and bigger and get more kids involved in it as a whole. Um, so that's kind of how I started doing it. Uh, I worked at like, just like a youth camp and, uh, the current Riverview Community High School coach, Ben Zielinski, he kind of came up to me and it was 2012, right when I was fresh out of college and he asked me if I wanted to start coaching with him. And um, it's actually kind of where I got, how kind of how I got started coaching at all and how I actually have my uh, current full-time position at Riverview Community School District. So it's kind of funny how it all comes together. But, you know, the goal was just to hopefully get the Downer area back on the map and you know, we've had a handful of teams in the high, at the high school level be successful, and um, hopefully, in the near future, here we can do the same thing at the club level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 always interesting to see the uh, the the game kind of evolve um, when you when you've come from that area. You know, I I um I'm originally from Detroit, but I went to high school at Fenton High School, and I graduated back in '99, and um, club soccer as well as our high school team at least the boys the girls were whooping some butt even back then but the boys we struggled to get out of districts <laughs> and uh, <laughs> i remember the four years i was a four year uh on, on varsity i got pulled up my freshman year but we we had uh three coaches in four years um and so obviously that's difficult to you know gain any kind of traction during that time when you're going through that kind of transition and now um, I see what they're doing up there in Fenton uh, with the boys and the girls, you know what I mean, seem to be regularly up, you know, in the, in the upper echelons of high school soccer. 
Um, I don't, you know, and so it's kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting to see how, and it really happened, um, you know, when coach, I think coach Sullivan, he came there shortly after I graduated and, you know, they're doing something right up there. I don't know much about the system up there, but, you know, it's kind of cool to see that, you know, where you came from and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's essentially what we're trying to do downriver. And I think slowly, but surely, um, probably not as fast as I would have liked it or, um, currently like it, but you know, I think we're slowly getting there and, uh, things are starting to improve, but, um, we got to get more kids playing and, uh, you know, trying to make it, uh, as financially reasonable and accessible to all the families in the down river area is important. So, um, yeah. you know, and we do a lot of that with like continued support through a lot of our sponsors and, um, being able to subs- uh, subsidize the fees for, uh, those in need. And that's yeah. important to us. And, you know, you know, and, like in Oakland County where the sport might be bigger and there might be more success from both the high school and the club level. Um, you know, a lot of families may not be as fortunate and, um, the down river area. So, you know, we're doing our best to at least, uh, be able to provide soccer opportunities for anybody that is interested in playing no matter what uh, their background might be. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Cause I know when I played uh, club soccer, it was, uh, my father passed away, when I was younger. And so I got social security money. <laughs> and if I did, if we did, I couldn't afford to play if we, if I didn't have those, that money coming in that actually paid for my right, soccer, for sure. you know, um, but it was extremely expensive. And, and that wasn't even playing at, you know, some of the, the higher level uh, clubs, you know, back then with the, the wolves and, and whatnot that were around as well. So it's great to hear y'all are doing that. Now, Jenna, it appears that um, with DCFC youth down river, that there's um, from what I see, there's, there's three different levels right? That you have the right foundations, recreational, um, and competitive. Can you share a little bit about what these different levels are and uh, where do they compete? And, you know, are the players recruited tryouts? How does it all work? Yeah. So foundations and rec are both part of uh, Taylor soccer club. Um, and they're both branded around the exact same way that they do things at Detroit city FC uh, youth city uh, in Detroit, where, the foundations program for us is ages four through 10. Uh, we consider it an, an entry level beginners program. Uh, we offer it in the fall, two different sessions in the winter and the spring. Um, essentially they end up being like eight week sessions. It costs as low as $40 to be able to play. They get eight, eight training sessions, eight matches. And then uh, they get two dry fit shirts that say like Taylor soccer club on them with uh, you know, Detroit city FC Downriver community affiliate. And then, uh, it's just an entry-level program. Just, you know, a lot of kids are trying it for the first time. There's a decent turnover rate because maybe the kids didn't enjoy it. Soccer's not from them, whatever it is. But um, that's kind of like your platform to be able to get kids to start trying to play the sport and hopefully beginning to fall in love with it. Um, and then as you get older, um, we get into the recreational program, which uh, we call developmental. Um, hopefully that bridges the gap from our foundations program to our competitive travel teams. Um, it's still another community-based program. So right now we just have Taylor Soccer Club, but we're hopefully going to branch out to other communities in the Downriver area as well. Um, and those, the, the developmental or recreational program goes all the way from the age of 10 all the way up to 18. So if, you know, you only want to play one season or you don't want to commit to playing in a, in a full year capacity, um, you can play within our recreational program and, uh, you know, still be able to participate and, still get the same, say a lot of the same benefits that some of our, that most of our Detroit city FC downriver um, players do get as well. Okay. Okay. So how does uh, at the, with the, at the competitive level, um, how is that structured at the, at the state level now? Cause I, I don't even remember back then. I remember there was different divisions and whatnot. Um, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy now. Um, and it, it's a little bit watered down. There's so many different. So there's basically, you'll start out with the, like your select select leagues and then go into your premier leagues. And then um, I guess there's quote unquote, like elite leagues above that even now. Um, and then there's regional leagues and national leagues in between both the premier and the elite programs. Okay. But um, you know, there's a handful of select leagues in our area that the kids can play in. Um, and then at U13, you can start playing premier soccer um, but then there's, there's still teams at U13 and U14 that still play select that are better than a lot of the premier teams. So there's like this kind of overlap and it's not really like a clean cut. Um, you know, you're a premier team. That means you're better than all these select teams. That's sometimes that's not necessarily how it goes. So, um, the way that we kind of structure it is we're just going to put our teams in 
you know, the best place possible to be able to play the way that we want to play. Um, you know, the quote unquote city style of play and, uh, you know, effectively be able to do that. And then at the same time, be able to like push them to be able to grow and become better players. Okay. Okay. Now, John, what do you, what do you envision, um, for, um, DCFC youth down river in years to come as it relates to the club? Uh, well, I think what we're probably going to end up judging ourselves on and what we currently judge ourselves on is one is from year to year player retention at every single age group, you know, that kids are enjoying the game. They love being part of the club and that we're offering a good product to them. But then, you know, as kids get older, um, not only how many kids are going on to play college soccer, but how many kids are like continuing on to get some type of secondary education, be it like a trade school or college to, you know, help them progress and continue on and then hopefully support the club. And then from a soccer perspective, um, you know, we'll kind of judge ourselves based on how many kids do continue to play college soccer. And then um, in, in the end, potentially play on like an under 23 Detroit city FC team or um, then make it to the professional level. So I think those are kind of some of the ways that we're going to start judging it. And um, you know, it's going to be really cool to be able to hopefully in the near future here, be able to see a player that comes out of our, our youth program and our location, um, you know, step on the field for a professional match. Right. Right. Okay. So our, um, I, you had mentioned this a, a little bit earlier, I think um, under the, the city crest, we have four, four youth affiliates, right? We've got yep, Down so River, West, Genesee and city city. Yep. Okay. Um, and, and, and Genesee and West are, well, so Genesee was Genesee Celtic, right? Yep. Celtic. Yep. Celtic. Um, and then there's Canton Celtic that yep. branded to DCFC West. And then I, I think this, uh, city was, that's, that was a new creation, no? Yeah. That's purely organic. And that's with, uh, uh, you know, a connection like recreationally kind of what we have with Taylor soccer club to Detroit pal. Okay. Now, um, from, from your angle as club director for Down River, is there a relationship uh, with, with the other youth programs or does it, you know, what, what does that relationship look like if there is one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so all four of the locations, especially during this time, we've been collaborating at least once a week, if not two or three times every single week and just bouncing ideas off of each other as to how we're keeping our teams engaged and uh, making sure the message is, you know, still getting out there that, we want these kids to progress and we still want to be them, be there for them both like socially and from a soccer perspective. But, um, you know, between the four locations, uh, you know, we offer other possible playing opportunities. Um, it opens up the ability for us to be able to bring in different coaches from different other locations that could be specialists in specific areas to come in and host training sessions. Um, in the future here, we'll start doing like player identification centers where uh, we can identify players from all the different locations. So say like 2006 boys will be on this Saturday at Keyword Stadium. Um, we'll have the 2006 boys that want to participate, sign up, they'll come out and then potentially we'll be able to put together like an elite team through all four of the locations that could go participate in, you know, some either local or uh, regional or national showcases or tournaments to, you know, be able to put together a possible team that could progress into the same players that we may see step on the field when they, you know, get later into the high school ages or in the college for an under 23 Detroit city FC team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so obviously it's, it's, it's a great uh, partnership, you know what I mean? Between um, all these different entities, you know what I mean? And you know what I mean? Kind of to kind of expand the, the tentacles of Detroit City FC, you know what I mean? It, it, you know, it's great to kind of build out the club and everything. Um, beyond that, though, um, why do you think that um, investing in uh, soccer at the youth level, right? Um, and, and let's take this beyond, be even beyond the sport of soccer. Like, why is this, why is this important work? And, and, and do you see it as relating to the foundations of the club? Uh, you know, I think it's just uh, for at least in the state of Michigan, it's just a, such a unique model um, that nobody else has to offer. Um, and it's something that you can see. It's something that you can go and watch and you can see live rather than, you know, like this weekend, we're all probably going to watch Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich on the TV just because none of us have watched any matches or anything. But, you know, it, I think it's it's something that 
everybody can be a part of. And, you know, it's, we're, we're going to start building the soccer culture in a different way in the state of Michigan and being able to be part of something bigger than just a soccer team that I play on with, you know, 10 of my friends from my school or from the community that I, that I grew up with or church or whatever it might be. Um, you know, this is something that they can be a part of that um, is bigger and more special. And um, like we said before, that's something that they'll never grow out of and they can, you know, hopefully in, you know, 40, 50 years or whatever that they can take their kids and potentially their grandkids too and say that like, Hey, I, I, I played in, on this team when I was, you know, so-and-so age or whatever it is. So, you know, being able to, to build that um, is something special. Yeah. Um, so John, you've been with this club um, in various forms since the beginning, really. Right. Um, whether that's, you know, as a player going back to 2012 as a club director that built up Taylor soccer club in the way that you have. And, and then has been there in the time as this connection has been made, you know what I mean? Um, what are, whether on the pitch or otherwise, as it relates to the club, Detroit city FC, what are some of your most memorable moments? <laughs> uh, you know what? the one that sticks out the most and maybe it's because uh, I think one of the supporters posted something on social media today or earlier this week was uh, stepping out for the first game uh, underneath the stands in like, you know, back, uh, back at cast tech days when we kind of had to sit in our bench in the, in the bleachers or whatever. And we were walking, like walking up to go out or whatever and being able to see like, it was right around like 1500 people, like out of nowhere, you know, and, we're just like a bunch of college kids or kids slightly out of college that yeah. just walked out and, you know, soccer was never anything super big. And yeah. back in 2012 playing in front of 1500 people was like playing in front of like 20,000 people. Yeah. And, you know, being able to see that, that was, you know, so organically where we are today. Uh, it's been an adventure and it's kind of crazy to think that uh you know it's been going on as long as it has because it feels like just yesterday that it was 2012 and we were walking out for that first game yeah you know i was talking to uh um roddy green and uh and also on a, in a separate interview uh with sean claude lawson we we're talking about this and i said you know as a as a high school player i remember uh when the football team would come over for the homecoming game. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> they usually come over and support us. Probably the coach told them they had to come over and support us to encourage us to go to the actual homecoming game and support them. <laughs> but then yeah. you would have like 40, 50 people at, well, maybe uh, we'll say 30 people beyond the parents that are already there, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and it, and it just, I remember that energizing us to be playing in front of, you know, a total of, 50, 60 people. I can't even imagine, um, even as a supporter who's hooting and hollering from the smoking section on the other side, um, what it's like as a player to step out now in front of, you know, six, seven, eight thousand, you know, people uh, in that tight, intimate place of keyworth. And, you know, and like you said, even at, at cash, you know what I mean? Um, Although it wouldn't get seven, eight thousand or nothing like that, you know what I mean. Still, you know, you you get that place with two, three thousand people, and that place was popping then too. So it's uh, yeah, it's that's something to even think about. I can imagine what it was like from your angle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, we we had that random friendly last year against Chattanooga in like early April or whatever, and it was right. like Trevor Trevor James's first first match in charge and. Uh, you know, Dave Edwardson, unfortunately, asked me to come out of retirement and play. Um, and it was like pretty cool being able, being able to walk out all the way down in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and still seeing all the traveling supporters and um, being able to walk out in front of them and hearing them chant and sing the entire game and then being able to interact with them after the match. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's crazy to see it grow and to see what it is. And um, you know, Detroit city, something really special and, uh, you know, being able to give, bring that more into the down river community and give the exposure to them and allowing them to be a part of it. Um, and, ho and hopefully helping this club grow, um, is, an, is another reason why I enjoy really doing what I do right now.
Yeah, no doubt. I, well, I look forward to seeing the first couple of uh, um, guys or gals that uh, come up through the system um, donning uh, the rouge and gold at the first team uh, level, you know, that came up through uh, down river or, you know, or city or Genesee or West, you know what I mean? I, that's going to be exciting when we get to that place to see that come to fruition. Um, so yeah. what, uh, John, what, like in closing, um, what do you think is the best way for the La Rouge faithful to support the youth? You know what I mean? In terms of what you all are doing. Just, you know, uh, from a social media standpoint, just continue to support us as far as like, you know, liking our stuff and, you know, hopefully sharing it with people that you know and other supporters that may have kids that play youth soccer that want to get involved, you know. Um, come see what we're all – I mean, you can't really see physically what we're all about or anything, but you can kind of see the difference in everything that we're able to offer over, you know, the next month. And, you know, next month is really big for us because we'll be signing a lot of our current players and – potentially new players based on virtual tryouts for the 2020-2021 season. Um, but then, you know, as we get our team settled for next year, uh, we hope to have some events, hopefully one in the fall and one in the spring, where um, it may be in Canton because they have the biggest park where a lot of our teams have to play like one home match on Saturday, whatever, October 12th. And you know, make it a day of, you know, maybe our professional teams away at that time, but a way that our supporters could come out and be able to catch some youth games, come out and light off some smoke bombs and help see like a small bit of what goes on at Cuba Stadium. Um, and hopefully we can continue doing that. And then, you know, from a local perspective, like when our teams advance in the state cup, like being able to get a few supporters to go up there, like even just like three or four people just beating on drums would make yeah. all the difference. And it would make like, those kids days and weeks and that would probably be the memory that they would you know remember yeah. forever and uh cherish for the rest of their life so you know those those are just a couple of ways that um, people can continue to support our youth club no doubt no doubt well uh we'll do what we can um with 451 podcast to help continue or begin to i won't even say continue because we haven't done a good job of amplifying uh you know what i mean the reach of uh you know our youth uh players and whatnot you know what i mean and uh and, and everything that people like yourself are doing you know um anything that we can do just let me know john um and uh in the meantime i um i thank you very much for taking the time out to be with us on the show and uh appreciate what you do you know what i mean from the bottom of my heart you know as somebody who um you know um beyond you know city you know and all that stuff you know i think that I, there's a special place in my heart for folks who dedicate and sacrifice so much of their life to doing things that, that like what you're doing, you know what I mean? I know you love the game, you know what I mean? Uh, you've been a player, you love coaching, all that stuff, you know what I mean? But as somebody who um, during my youth struggled in certain ways, you know what I mean? If I wasn't playing soccer, um, you know, the, the old, you know, the saying of, uh, or the saying or the scripture of the, you know, the idle hands are the devil's playground. <laughs> well, you know, when I wasn't playing soccer, I was kind of into a lot of uh, ruckus, you know what I mean? And so I, looking back and reflecting on my youth, you know what I mean? A lot of my coaches, you know what I mean? Um, that were there for me, even if it were just to distract me and get me focused on a, a project being, you know, a team to, that that's trying to win. Um, made a world of difference and, and, you know, ensured that I didn't head down the wrong road. So I always appreciate those like you, you know, who work um, day in and day out with our youth. So, um, you know, we, we thank you here at the 451 Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on and, uh, you know, look forward to seeing how everything develops. You know, this is just the beginning of youth soccer for Detroit City FC. And as we continue, it's just only going to get better. No doubt. Well, thanks for joining us, and well, I'll make sure to follow up with you. Uh, you know, as the season gets closer, and, and you know, we everything opens up. You know what I mean? Eventually. Absolutely. Thanks, Fred. I appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. Take care.
die. Every day and every night, my people multiply. And every day and every night, a little baby cry. Every day and every night, a mommy die. And every day and every night, my people visualize. Every day and every night, my people organize. And every day and every night, my people centralize. They choose to right in front of you, just after open your eyes. Fight up and sweat up all day. Now them stink like a swine. When there's a lay, you shall lick it. Leave your riches behind. Without your business, my musician, or you flip them pies. The game is to be paid, and it's called survival. Hey, it's called survival. Oh, shape Please watch the sheep. Those are out for the kill. And they won't stop at anything they've got to get their meal. Oh, shape Please watch the sheep. Those are out for the kill. And they won't stop at anything they've got to get their meal. Hey, how I feel. I tell you how I feel. I tell you how I feel because I got to keep it real. I tell you how I feel because I got to keep it real.